welcome everyone to Coiscast number seven. Um, another great panel with us today, starting with um, a US-born and based Spurs fan, DC Spurs fan. Hello. Thanks for having uh, me. And the man we can't get rid of, Jake. I just don't log off. So this is number seven, like The Force Awakens, yeah? <laughs> exactly. And talking of the forces being awakened, nothing, none of this would happen without the efforts of AC. Hi again. You should have done a voice like Chewbacca there, AC. You missed a trick. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you should have done a voice like Chewbacca there, AC. You didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'll try harder. <sighs> um, so, if AC's recovered from what was obviously somebody giving him quite a nasty wedgie, um, he can lead us in with just a brief review of the Norwich game. Um, yeah, this is going to be a short one. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very easy game. Um, they had a shot at the start of the game, and that was about it from Norwich. Um, Kane scored two, won a penalty, um, one from a ridiculously tight angle, which was a very nice counter-attack. Um, got a very nice goal from Tom Carroll. Um, from long range, could have been six or seven. Lamella almost scored a Rabona. Yeah, it was a it was a good game. Enjoyed it. Review done. Move on. <laughs> no, and that led us. Uh, the next game was the Watford game for Jake. I, I haven't got that much more either. Um, <laughs> notable because we played a switch of formation, so Watch mm. does have Planos Bios. Um, moving to sort of three at the back to handle their front two. I thought they were quite an interesting team. Um, it's interesting to see us playing against a front two. And I think Watford don't necessarily get as much, well, Troy Deeney doesn't get as much um, props as he should because Igalo's the one who's smashing all the goals in. But the way he started to drift further wide, just trying to stretch the three at the back was quite interesting. I thought we dealt with them quite well. I thought it was nice to see Dyer playing in a more defensive role, even though he did get rolled by Igalo for their goal. Um, I felt like he got bullied a little bit, but it was a fairly lucky deflection off him to allow Igalo the space to, to score past um, Hugo, who, I don't know, it might just be me, but maybe I felt he could have come out a little bit quicker. Um, we looked a little bit nervous in the second half, I thought, um, especially when they went down to 10 men. Uh, I found it a little strange that we didn't have... We seemed to lose a bit more, a little bit of our coherence when we had the ball, as if we were too keen to play it forward quickly, which which is odd. It's not normally how we play. Uh, I thought it was a definite red card. Um, it's not the only one that I think could have been given over the last couple of games. We'll get onto that shortly. Uh, Watson's near miss was amazing because he'd already tried it and we should have been a bit wiser to it. But um, after Hugo lulled them into a full sense of security with that dreadful slice clearance almost straight after, which played right into our hands. No one expects that, do they? Uh, I thought we were really good. Really good. Um, Trippier had a decent game. Uh, I thought Tommy Carroll was all right when he played for us. Um, as for the goal, I noticed that it's been said that some was offside for the actual goal, but he wasn't. He was offside in the first phase of the play, if we're going to be pedantic about it. And I am, because I'm that kind of person. But, um, oh, what's his name? Berahini was playing, Berami, sorry. Valon Berami was playing him onside when the ball came back in. And what a beautiful finish. And it's the kind of game where if we were going to be full-on Spursy about it, I'd have seen us throwing that away rather than picking up all three points. So for me, that was another pleasing win. Yeah, I, I would have to agree that there are many times in the past 
um, where we would have just folded um, and lost that game. And without wishing to sort of um, have a, a preview of the next review of today's game, I, I felt the same today when we went 1-0 down um, against the run of play that in the past we potentially would have crumbled. But today, yeah. today I just didn't feel we would. I have, I have the same confidence in the team that they seem to have, which is that they're always going to be in it and they're always just that one moment away from, from scoring. One other thing that was really nice about the Watford game was the absolute pandemonium in the away end when between fan and player when we scored the winner. I mean, I know it's it's a cliche, but seeing that kind of thing from the comfort of our sofas, because I don't go to away games, I mean, it's really nice. I mean, it must have been a really joyful thing to be involved in. And it's quite nice that people who seem normally quite austere, like the Tongan, do seem to go absolutely batshit crazy whenever we do score a late winner. It's really refreshing. Agreed. For you, DC Spurs fan, you're, you've been assigned the review of the Everton game, which is just finished about maybe an hour ago. Um, have you recovered from that? Because I'm not sure I have. Yeah, no, that was, a, that was a pretty intense game, particularly the last bit of the second half. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it was, it was kind of a tale of two halves and, and more them than us in that sense. The, the first half, we, we particularly at the beginning, completely dominated. Um, we had some incredibly close goals, uh, close shots uh, off the posts and uh, some, some connections that were, I, I thought, really showed us growing into uh, even more of a top-tier team here. Um, but, uh, of course, you know, we're Spurs, and there was a Spursy moment with Aaron Lennon uh, sinking his first shot uh, uh, this, not just this year, but this season, um, for Everton to put them one up. Uh, we, we came back. We, we countered well. Uh, the Toby Alley connection there in the at the end of the first half was was incredible, um, and I think that's the second time Ali has scored off of a, a long um, volley like that. Uh, and I think the stat at the end of the first half was something like 13 shots for us and three shots for them, and I think it kind of summed up the the game. And at least in the first half, the second half Everton came out. They Definitely seemed to have woken up a little bit, uh, got themselves in order a little bit, and uh, made it a much more competitive second half than I would have liked. Um, uh, we also started to look tired. I think um, Deli Ali in particular seemed to have taken a couple of knocks during the game, and they seemed to weigh on him as the game went on. Um, Lamella continued to to put in an incredible performance, uh, constantly tracking back, getting uh, his defensive work rate is, is I think, very impressive. Um, but uh, I think the real kudos goes to sort of our, our central back uh, with Toby and, and Jan and, and uh, Eric Dyer. They just they held that game. And, you know, you're, Prof, you're talking about that confidence. I think that's exactly where it comes from. You, you know, with those three in the back, uh, as long as they stay together, it seems like that we're always going to hold on um, and and play, be able to play to win rather than um, constantly being beaten in the back like we've had over the, ma- of the past few years. So overall, it was it was a pretty good c- performance, but um, uh, I thought the team started to look a little tired uh, as we went into the second half, and I didn't think our subs really did 
much to help us during that game. I was a little frustrated uh, with the lack of work rate from from all three subs, quite frankly. Yeah, I'd go along with that, to be honest. I mean, I think it's a bit... No, actually, let me rephrase it. I think the two that came on with enough time to make an impact, I think we could have got yeah. a bit more out of them. I think it's a little unfair for Anoma to only be being dragged on with, what, two minutes and change left to play and right. expect to do anything, really. I think that's... It seems a bit strange. I think it's been mentioned on the board, and I think it's been discussed probably on one of these before, that it seems more that Poch has a timing when he's going to introduce a substitution rather than it to necessarily shift the tactic of the team. Because mostly it seemed like for like for me. Um, I don't see what Chadley's bringing to the game when he comes on at the moment. It's been one of those things where if he doesn't score, then he doesn't seem to contribute that much. And he just seems a bit off the pace. Uh, I would probably have brought an iron on for him earlier on, but that's just me. There's one thing I wanted to point out was interesting tactically in the first half where we purposefully set out where when we had the ball, Eric Dyer occupied the right back position and Kyle Walker played a wing back position. Yeah. But it was completely standard 4-4-2 on the other side of the pitch. And they were obviously focusing on this side of the Everton team. I thought that was quite interesting, but in the second half, they didn't do it at all. I think that could possibly have been more to do with the fact that we didn't have Rose on the left. So the pace of Lennon up against Davies meant he couldn't push that much further forward. Yeah, maybe, but we could have, could we? Yeah, I suppose. Well, I don't know what's wrong. It could be that Rose isn't fully fit yet. I think it was interesting that they did do it second half. Um, Yeah. I think it was probably that Pochettino was predicting that Martinez was going to come out with a counter for it. And yeah. so he switched back, but it didn't actually happen. I did find it a bit disappointing as well that if we're we're obviously set up to play a high-pressing game, which means that we isolate their striker, so they are going to have to hit it long for him. Or the ball is going to have to be fired in and they're going to have to get something off him as a result of quick movement. And that's pretty much exactly... I mean, I know it wasn't exactly a route one goal because it came out from wide a wider area, but the ball into Lukaku should have been dealt with before it got down to Lennon. And credit where credit's due, that's an amazing finish, Marin Lennon. Yeah, I mean, you, it was noticeable that Lukaku was pulling onto Jan instead of onto Toby. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I think he knows who's the weaker centre-back there. Yeah, and there were, again, a couple of times where Jan could have put his head onto a ball and opted to stand back from it to just give him that more freeze on more danger to try and deal with. Um, I thought our goal was incredible. I, I mean, again, as DC boy, it's it's a beautiful finish. It really is. Um, off the ground to finish up with that much composure, I think it's quite impressive. And he did, t- Ali did tire. It was, again, I don't, it, it sounds like I'm digging him out and he scored the equaliser in a game where we were a goal behind, but man of the match, I wasn't particularly sure about that. He drifted out of it quite quickly. Once Bezic gave him that, what Big Ron would have called a reducer when he came on quite early on and clattered him. Um, but again, he's a young player and he's going to have to get used to being bullied a little bit more than I think he was used to before. Yeah, I, you know, you talk about man in the match. I was I actually thought Carroll, I don't know if I'd give him man in the match, but I, I thought he was very impressive. I wasn't expecting, and maybe my expectations were pretty low, um, but I wasn't expecting such a good, solid performance from him. I was really quite concerned that we didn't have Dembele on the pitch. I still think that that probably hurt us a few knocks, but but um, Carroll, Carroll held his own. He played well and connected with Dyer well and moved the ball up forward, I thought. 
uh, extremely well. And barring a few bad passes, he, he really was a, a standout player for our side. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I mean, I know we dug him out hilariously in the last one, but <laughs> his, his need to move the ball forward or also just spread the play at times. So there was a pass early in the second half where he played it out wide to Deli Alley, and it was a beautiful ball. And he did a couple in the first half as well where he just looked to release either whoever was overlapping on the left or he was using to, trying to hit Carl Walker. Some of that distribution was really good. I, I understand why he was being played today. And I think it's unfortunate that he's being compared to someone who's been as influential as Moussa Dembele because he's not in the same league just yet. It's a, Dembele is a mature, you know, full, full-blown professional. Um, international playing for one of the top international sides. I don't think comparing Tom Carroll to that at this stage is really a, a fair comparison, but he, he was much improved. I thought first half, I thought it was really good. And I think that's because Everton allowed him a lot of space. Yeah. When, when they started closing him down second half, he was left less influential and he got bullied out of it a bit. But the yeah. first half, I thought he was really good. He did well with up against Ross Barkley for quite a lot of the game as well. I mean, also, Taking the yellow card when Barkley was clearly going to get past him, I thought was you know, another sign of a developing maturity and understanding of when to be a bit snide about things. Was it ironic or was it um, a message to us to to vary how we do things that we scored a goal, frankly, from a, a very cultured hoof, but still a hoof nonetheless, um, rather than the intricate passing that we really indulged in quite significantly in the first part of the game that got us nowhere. I think uh, Toby's always looking to make that pass. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. he's done it before. Um, and I also like the fact that he was going to hit it first time and then delay this slightly because he mm-hmm. knew that that run was coming. I, I think it's clearly a tactic to try and hit Deli Alley. But also, it's a sensible thing to do to try and mix it up a little bit. It's the same yes. with the use of set pieces. I, I think by being so... We were quite obvious after the first 10 minutes. I mean, the first 20 minutes when we were dominating possession, it was a joy to watch. I mean, it was a great game of football, but I think, I don't know. Don't forget, of course, if Kane had managed to, if the ball had gone in rather than just rolling across the goal and then going out from his shot on, what, eight minutes. So I think we, it would have been a different match altogether because the fans, well, were there any fans in Goodison Park other than ours before the 64th minute? It was quite strange, really, I thought, but... um yeah, we, it was interesting to know that Everton seemed quite comfortable at times just to have two banks and drop deep and allow us to try and fire balls into the lone striker that we had and then they'd head it away and they'd try and break forwards. They didn't get very far because we their passing wasn't particularly great either and we pressed them and it kind of nullified that. But they were all right. They, they were coping with everything. So switching it up and using a longer pass every now and again makes sense. And I thought our pressing was... I'm sorry, after you. I was just going to say, I thought our pressing was particularly good this game. I, I thought, generally speaking, we we seemed to to get much stronger with, with that style of play with every game, and it showed today. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree with, with you, Jake, that um, I like to see us mix up um, how we approach our attacking options because it's if every team knows that our, our style, our modus operandi, is to play short, intricate passes around the, the edge of the box... It's easier to defend. Yeah, totally. So, Jake, we've got two huge games coming up, two two big games in different for different reasons coming up against the same team. Our next two games we have uh, FA Cup against Leicester, um, and then the Premiership game also against Leicester, both at home. I think for me personally, the FA Cup is always going to be big because, I admit it, I am 
I'm someone who would who would give up finishing, you know, fourth in the league to win the FA Cup because I like seeing Spurs captains lift trophies. It, it means a lot to me. Um, but having said that, you know, Leicester are a team that we can potentially catch, that which makes the Premier League game equally important in a different way. So, Jake, your thoughts on those both those games, please. Well, I'm going to probably conflate the two rather than try and talk about the specific matches mm -hmm. individually. But just to note, the other reason why you love a cup run is so you can make your tinfoil FA Cup replicas every year. <laughs> you, you weren't going to tell anyone about that? that was, no, I, I know. I won't, send to, I won't send them to the blog where you keep us updated <laughs> on how they're going. Or that 20-foot one you did last year. Oh, no. <laughs> Leicester. Leicester are an interesting side at the moment. Um it's hard to tell which one of these two games they'll prioritise because they've they've hit their 40-point mark. So they're quite happy in the league, as Renieri's been going on about. Um, their league form, um, they've drawn the last two, they lost the one before that, and then they won the two games prior to that. So I think that's all not really the best indicator, though. I mean, yesterday, for example, yeah, they drew against Bournemouth, and it was against 10 men for quite a while, but they had a missed penalty um, Vardy should have hit, scored a one-on-one. -on -one. And you can look at that two ways, really. It could be that they're just faltering in their form or they were just a bit unlucky on the day. They're a fairly settled side normally. The only time they've switched from a 4-4-2 was when they played Man City. And they may do that for us in one of these matches and bring in Inla and just have Vardy alone up front. I mean, it is a bit weird that Gokhan Inla isn't anywhere near their... Well, isn't anywhere near... Is on their bench rather than in their starting eleven. When you consider the players before at the start of the season, with players like Drinkwater and Albright and, and um, N'Golo Kante and then Riyad Mahrez, it's, it would have seemed strange if we said that he wasn't able to get in that starting eleven from the get-go. Obviously, the, the, the headline players for them are Vardy and Mahrez, uh, with Kante behind them. Kante is a brilliant player. and I think one of the final ones that Nigel Pearson set up before everything fell apart for him and he had to leave the club. Um, Kante's had the most interceptions and tackles in the Premier League this season they, they are an incredible side going forward and there was a description a while ago of um, well Vardy being almost like the, the equivalent of Suarez the, where he's a footballing Terminator you know the bit in Terminator 2 where they're trying to get away and they're screeching away in the car and they keep shooting the Terminator and the Terminator gets up and carries on running at them and running at them that seems exactly what Vardy does. He, he will keep going at a defence until he finds that weak spot and then he'll have a shot. And I don't know, there's a little bit of that where I would be more worried if we hadn't got our defensive diamond of the four of them from our keeper all the way through to Eric Dyer in front of the back two sorted out because we have that solidity through the centre, which is a little bit more reassuring. Their left back, Fuchs, is amazing at the moment. He's creating plenty of chances and he's really prepared to bomb on which could be quite interesting because that may well pin back Carl Walker. Or it may be a game for Trippier. Um, alongside Vardy, you could have Ujoa or Okazaki. I don't know if you saw the last time Okazaki scored. He looked more surprised and delighted than any player I've seen in quite some time. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Um, it's hard to say what they'll do for the Cup. Last time round in the League Cup, they only played one game and they lost to Hull on penalties. But they made 10 changes to their side. I think they'll make a few in the FA Cup against us. I think we might see uh, Cramerich come back in. Richie Delate might get a game. And I think Schwarzer might get a run out in nets. But I don't think there's going to be quite the seismic set of changes that they'll, they managed against Hull when they come up against us. Purely because we're a slightly better side than Hull are. Um, it'll be an interesting one, I think. Both games. 
I get a feeling that we'll change one or two uh, for our match, which will be interesting for the FA Cup. I think there'll be a chance that maybe Harry Kane won't start because he looked absolutely knackered towards the end of the game. But again, the question is, where is Poch going to prioritise? And I think I'll open it up to discussion because I don't think he's going to prioritise the FA Cup. I think the Europa League will be the, the trophy that he'd go for other than the trophy of fourth place or above in the Premiership. And if that is the case, then there may be one or two other changes which could disappoint some and please others. I mean, I think Anoma may get a start. I think Ericsson may well get rested. And I think it's it will be a question of what we put out rather than what Leicester offer us in that first game. Anyone else disagree? I mean, what do you see as our priority out of these two matches? Uh, Tim Foyle man aside. Um, well, I know that this is a sort of, you know, lots of opinions on what we should be going for, whether it's a trophy or whether it's the league. But in terms of how it was set, it up, set us up for the future as a club, it's got to be the league. Um, a trophy is very nice and obviously it's something that you always remember. Um but if we want to progress to a point where we can start challenging for the league totally, the FA Cup's not going to make much of a difference, while the Champions League will make a huge difference. Yeah, no, I would agree with that completely. Um, I'm also particularly biased since I'll be going to the league game and not the cup game. So I'm, I'm hoping it prioritizes the league game. Um, but, but I think in the long run, it's not just better for me, but better for Spurs if they're... Uh, if they're playing for the, the league, it's it's a real deal for us this year. And we should be putting all our, maybe not all our eggs, but most of our eggs in that basket. Well, to play devil's advocate for a second, and going back to something that Jake mentioned earlier, um, that, that Poch may choose to prioritise the Europa League. Why prioritise the Europa League, for example, over the FA Cup? Um, of, of course, I understand there's a Champions League at stake for the winner, but is it more likely that we're going to get through all those knockout rounds in the Europa League and win the trophy? Is that more probable than winning the FA Cup? I don't think you'll prioritise. I, I think you'll prioritise the Europa League over the FA Cup because that will theoretically provide his team with more experience in Europe. I think that would be the only logic behind it. But I, I understand about finishing fourth being more important for the long term of the club, but it... At the moment, we're not in a position where we're going to be able to invest and buy the players that will improve the squad. If we accept the fact that there is going to be some financial hit that the, the playing side will take whilst we build the new stadium, then we're just going to be in a position where it will be like the Europa League for us. We will be in, we'll almost be wanting to drop out of it so that we can focus on getting back in it for a while. And I'm not sure how beneficial that would be to us. I mean, also, there is the caveat that I quite like a day at Wembley because you get to get quite battered and have fun with your, <laughs> laughing at the other fans. But it's not just about a day out. It's more about our, winning something as well is, is quite useful. Building that mentality of being able to see something through to the end and lifting the trophy is quite important. It's just the same in many aspects as getting that fourth place or third place if we did manage it. And when, you, when you're trying to attract players... Um, how many of them say, you know, I want to move to Club X because I want to win trophies? And how many say, I want to go to Club X because we could finish fourth in the league and get into the Champions League? I mean, they ask, they want to win trophies. They want winners' medals. Woolwich weren't able to hold on to that many of their players when they were summoned by other clubs who were in with a shout of winning something rather than just getting that fourth-place trophy. Why don't we just go for both, then? Easy. <laughs> to dare is to do. No, sorry. I mean... Oh, sorry. 
so I was just going to say, it's difficult. You were going to ask me for a prediction for both these games. And well, I was actually going to ask you, instead of that, I was going to, as well as, I was going to ask you, what is it we need to do to beat Leicester? What are the keys to those games? Impose ourselves, really. As stupid as that sounds. To be able to play the game. In the first half today, when we were able to mix things, I mean, admittedly, we did go a goal behind, but we were the better side. If we can play to our strengths, which is to push teams back and allow us to pick and choose how we attack a side, we're much better. To not allow them to find their shape, to not allow them to have time to settle and then start running at us. I think that's really important. Um, I think that's what we'd need to do to to win these games. It's, it's to be confident in what we're good at and to be able to make use of the fact we have players who are capable of playing it long with precision or also being able to be a bit fiddly around the box as well. I think also that the, choosing the right starting eleven would be interesting. I'm not sure at the moment for me that Christian Eriksen should have a starting place. I, I and I I've, I was and I still am a, a big er, a fan of Eriksen's skill and technique, but I can't justify his place in the team. I really can't. Not at the moment. He's so soft sometimes as well. There were a couple of times where you thought, just stick your foot in and we could break away here, and you knew he wasn't going to, and then suddenly we were on the back foot. And then we got that free kick on the edge of the area. And had, would you have been shocked if he'd stepped up and scored? No, not at all. Although I think Lamella actually ended up taking it. Yes. So after Leicester, we move on to um, another home game, I think, against Sunderland. Yes. This run of home games. Um, notwithstanding Sunderland's win yesterday, AC, would you expect us to win that one? We should do. It's very difficult to judge Sunderland based on their previous five results. Because although it's four losses and a win, their four losses were against Watford, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool. And their win was against Villa. But they are a pretty terrible team. And what I'm going to say as proof of this is you always ask us to have a look and try and uh, pick out their best players and their key players. I have no idea who their best player is. <laughs> um, maybe Mvia. I I I don't know. That you just look through that team and it's so so average. Oh, hilariously so. I can't I can't agree more. I mean, it's going to be nice to have one of those games again where you get to watch Jermaine Defoe get offside and you do the first appeal against how could he possibly. Then you remember he's not in your team anymore and it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, I found it strange yesterday <laughs> watching the highlights that. No one wanted to celebrate his goals with him, and he didn't particularly want to celebrate with anyone else either. That was a bit mm-hmm. weird. Um, do we get, are we allowed to mention Villa's goal yesterday? Sure. It was oh, good. What a belter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't work out who they're better. Uh, MV is decent, but other than that, they can't work out whether Pantillamon is their keeper anymore. Manoni's been called in. Their fullbacks aren't particularly great. I mean, yeah. It's got all the hallmarks of if we were still going to be in full on Spursy mode, this would be the game where they wheel away having won 2 0. But I, I don't know. They've got O'Shea and Brown as their centre backs. I mean, yes. if we don't score a few goals in this game, it should be like the Norwich game, this one. It really should. Would you choose to rest players in that one rather than the two Leicester matches? It's going to be easier than the Leicester matches, I'd imagine. I mean, you don't know what team Leicester are going to put out in the FA Cup, but 
Sunderland are pretty awful. Yeah. So we're all, predicting, we're all predicting a home win for that game. DC, question for you. Given that you are a, a, a US-born and US-dwelling um, Spurs fan, how and when did you become a Spurs fan? Yeah, well, uh, while I am US-born, my, my mum is from North London. And so I would spend my summers in in London and have a lot of family over there. I had an older cousin. Um, and, you know, how could you not look up to your older cousin uh, who took me to my first matches when I was a wee bit lad. Uh, and uh, back when I think Huddle and Waddle were roaming the pitch uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, about that time. Uh, and started going to a, a few different games over the years. And so I only knew Spurs um, and uh, uh, kept up with them mostly through my cousin over the years and, and was introduced to, to Coys, uh, which is how I was I'm surprised to see that I was number 260 on the list of 500, which was nice, uh, which is also good that it's not reflective of your posting because that's not my strong suit. Um, but... Uh, but um, kept up with them, you know, in and out over the years. And then, of course, when, when America started getting uh, the Premier League games on a regular basis, uh, we started really following them. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, I, I say we, I had a couple of colleagues who at that, about that same time went over to London, you know, was this 10, 12 years ago or so, um, and went over to London. They were like, what team should we support? And I said, well, I support Tottenham Hotspurs. So they all started supporting Tottenham Hotspurs um, because that's all they knew. And now we have this little group of us in D.C., um, not necessarily part of the, the, the fan club here, but, but uh, this, this group of colleagues that have all stayed in touch throughout the years um, because of our love of Spurs. And um, you mentioned earlier you were going to be at the Leicester game. Do you manage to get across the pond regularly? Yeah, so, uh, again, about 10 years ago, uh, one of them, uh, who's uh, Mayor Labone, D.C., uh, on Coys, he and I were over in London. We went to a game. It was against Portsmouth. Uh, we won that one, 3-1. Two young players, uh, well, had started um, Mito and Lennon, uh, Mito, I think, scored two goals that game, and Lennon um, had lightning bolt eyebrows. Uh, so how could you not fall in love? And, you know, today was slightly painful to not only see him playing in another shirt, but also uh, uh, scoring the, the first goal of the game. Um, but uh, we went to that game, and, and then we decided after that year that we wanted to try and go back at least once a year uh, to games. And so we have now somewhere between Jan December and February of every year, uh, Mary LeBone, D.C., and I have gone over to London and watched a minimum of two games. Sometimes my brother joins us. Sometimes uh, another friend of ours joins us. Uh, they will be doing so this year. And we, we spend about a week over in London. I see family, watch Spurs, and drink pints. It's It's a fantastic trip. Over the years, we've... We've had some some real ups and downs. We were we were there a couple of years back when um, we fired our, we we lost to Liverpool. We got trounced by Liverpool. Was it four 0 or five 0 I can't remember. Uh, lost to lost our 
our coach and then uh, instilled um, Sherwood uh, and uh, then lost that game uh, to West Ham. Both games were in the rain and it was cold. And I think we had to walk uphill to get to both of them. So that was a tough year. But last year we went to two away games. We went to um, uh, Sheffield for the semifinal uh, victory and then uh, to West Brom shortly after. And they were two of the best experiences I've had um, following Spurs. It was it was fantastic. Going with the away fans was was fantastic. Obviously the games, the rise of of the young players with Harry Kane and and Mason, both of which I I was lucky enough to meet up with in a hotel and get a picture with. So that's that's but that was a highlight. Um, and then of course uh, the way they played and uh, that at that point in the season was just. It was just fantastic, and it was a lot of fun. This year, we're we're going to be going over. We get to see. Uh, we we picked um, when the when the schedule first came out. We just picked the first two home games that were near each other, which happened to be this run here: Leicester um, on Wednesday, and then uh, and then we get Sunderland on on uh, Saturday. And uh, we never expected either one of them to be uh, real tough games uh obviously things things have changed uh and really looking forward to this Leicester game I'd forgotten it was a midweek game mm. another midweek game but January's dry January oh which is you know it, it, not to to belabor the point but which is why I go back you know with the with the FA Cup game uh being the Saturday before you're sort of you're sort of stuck making a little bit of a choice um, that even if you wanted to prioritize the cup the FA Cup over over Europa, you're you're forced into some decisions um, if if you believe that your team has you know if Papa Potch thinks that his team is tired a little bit he's gotta he's gonna have to make some changes somewhere. So earlier in the week, well maybe just a couple of days ago, I made a post in the Bill Nicholson Lounge asking quizzes to submit questions they might have for the panel. And uh, actually, got a lot of questions sent, sent to me, um, which I'm going to throw out there, and um, whoever wants to can answer it, and the rest of you can weigh in. The first question is, is actually a real favourite of mine, um, which is, the question said, is Jan Vertonghen a very good player in his own right, or only as good as his centre-back partner? I think every player improves if they've got a better player alongside them. I think last year, Jan didn't really do that well with the trusty sidekicks he was given. Um, and I think, as with Ledley King, a player have, like Toby, for example, can make other players who are just OK look better. I'm kind of seeing both sides of the argument because I have... I like Jan. I think he's a decent player. I think he's better with Jan, with um, Toby alongside him for sure. And also with Dyer in front of him. But I think the whole of the defence has improved this year. So he's not necessarily the leader that we would need. And I think that's been the issue. He's not the leader of a defence. He's a decent centre-back, sure, but he's not the one that would be marshalling a side. And now we have someone who can do that instead of him. Or because now that we do have someone who can do that, I think that means he is going to look a little bit better because there is some pressure off of me. He can play more of his natural game. You know, I think to some degree our, our central defence is reflective of, of what's been going on with the team in general. 
I mean, the last few years has seen a lot of a lot of changes and a lot of uh, turmoil. I mean, I, I don't know if any of you caught Larissa's comments about how he was ready to leave the, the club uh, a season or so ago uh, because of what was going on. And, and that, I think, was reflected in the way our defense was being handled, our, our, our particular central defense. And so, yeah, he, he's playing better, and he, he's got a better partner, and clearly one he, he trusts and is very much in sync with. But to some degree, it's also reflective of the team has been for the first time on steady footing, steady footing in the first time in a long time. Um, and so it's hard to say which, which one actually might be influencing him more. I, I find it very hard to judge. I, I like him a lot as a player, but truthfully, when he hasn't had good players around him, um, he has not he has not done what, Toby has done, he hasn't been able to raise the performances of the other defenders around him, or his own performance. Um, but I do wonder about, you often get comments in the match thread um, on Coyes around the idea that Jan is soft, that he turns his back, that he doesn't go in for tackles. Um, but I see plenty of occasions where he makes excellent last-ditch tackles to save, save us from dangerous situations. But for the Everton goal, he did just dive out the way. It of it. Oh, he did absolutely, and that, it's, it's that. It's that. I think the point I'm making is not that it's untrue, but it's that frustrating inconsistency that I think prevents him from being a great player. I don't think it's a lack of skill that he has. Yeah, probably. I mean, he does have some very good games, mm -hmm. um, but he does tend to get bullied quite easily. Next question comes from Grazzo, G R A Z Z A, or for. For DC Spurs, G-R-A-Z-Z-A. Um, and he said, um, which ground does the panel think we'll actually end up sharing in 2017-18? And what's your preference as to which ground you'd like us to share? I think we probably will end up getting Wembley. Yeah, I, I think it, that's been alluded to by some of the more in the nose in the, in the thread about it. Um, I'm not particularly ecstatic about going to Wembley. I think there are a number of things. I'll, I'll start with the ones which don't sound just about it's too far away from where I live. Um, no, I won't. It's too far away from where I live. <laughs> uh, I'd like us to go to uh, the Matchroom Stadium at Leighton Orient um, because I can walk to that like I can walk to Spurs. Uh, I think realistically the um, Olympic Stadium for a season would be hilarious because... Well, A, it would wind up Karen Brady et al. quite a lot, and they don't have the power of veto, has been mentioned several times in the um, the thread about the new stadium. Uh, it's not too far away from where, where we're based. Um, it would also be great to see the, uh, the contrast between our shiny new stadium and the terrible Olympic stadium would be quite pleasing for us when we get to our new stadium. It'd be almost an even better welcome. Um, the problem with Wembley, I think, as well, is that other teams would up their games. I think teams would treat it even more like a cup final than they would do in having to play the mighty Spurs like they normally do. Maybe we'd up our game as well every game. Yeah, there is that. And what about the uh, the rumour around um, playing at the MK Don Stadium? Ugh, I'd rather not. It's not, it's not one that really entices me. My, my dad lives just well, well, easy drive away, but and I love my dad, and it'd be great to see more of him. But the schlep every time, I, I'd go to fewer matches. I don't think it would feel as 
it, well, it's not in London. I think it'd be an awkward thing. I get that people have said before that we may entice a new fan base, but I don't really buy that. It's not. It's not the sake if they only come to games because it's on their doorstep. When we go back to Tottenham, they're not going to go to that again, are they? It seems a bit weird. I can't see the benefit of that. I'd like it to be in London, so therefore, I suppose my my pecking order is the Olympic site or Wembley. Realistically, okay. Do you think we'd like sort of uh, on the long run we'd learn to play at Wembley quite well? So if we ever got to like a final in the future. They'd have this sort of comfortable feeling when going to Wembley. Uh, only if we got the same dressing room each time. That's a good point. Maybe we could put that in the contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the, the rumour is, or the, the, the ITK seems to be, that it will be Wembley, but without the top tier, so limited at 55,000. That's the last thing I read in there. It's an excellent thread. And the last question I think we've got time for, um, and apologies to, to Quizzes, who are listening to this quiz cast and who had submitted questions that we didn't have time for um, in this recording. We'll try and get to them next time. Um, and the question is, so I suppose it's a philosophical question to some extent, and it's from John Boy. And John Boy is asking, um, or he's, he's stating that we have a, a young and passionate set of players, finally, and a team that works well together. But we also see that we could do with another striker, and you know maybe there are there are fans who would like to see maybe a marquee signing, perhaps at ACM, perhaps at striker, um, to take us to the next level. But in doing so, might that unsettle the squad by pushing other players further down the pecking order? And and how do we how do we balance those two things? That the desire to keep this set of players together, but also to give them a playing time while still strengthening the team. Well, using my expertise from Football Manager. Yes. Um, all, all I do is purchase a striker. <laughs> Would you consider that a successful window? Uh, yeah, I'd be pretty happy if we got a good young backup striker. Um, I think it'd be good. All we need is someone to come on for Kane when he's looking tired or when Kane's not having one of his good days. Um, I like the idea of promoting from the youth system for pretty much every other position. But, you know, Shayon Harrison's not ready yet. Keziah Sterling's not ready yet. We definitely need, you know, a striker to come in. And you mean a like-for-like like striker? Someone who plays more in the style of Harry Kane? I personally signed Breel in Bolo, um, but I will allow Pochettino his own, you know, judgment on who he wants. <laughs> it's very very good of you. I, I think that the only area we do need to strengthen it is on our bench at the moment, and it is someone to come on to help us out when Harry gets tired. Um, I would be quite happy with us getting uh, the second Dembele. I would be delighted if we got Berahino. I think it was a piece in one of the papers the other day which said that the, these want-away players who seem to be causing trouble, the moment they get there, you know, that they do manage to get through and get to their the club they've been angling for. You normally don't hear a peep out of them after that. The only exception being Saido Mane, of course, who did the same thing at Salzburg and missed key matches. In the Europa League, I think it was, where he missed the flight because he wanted a way to go to Southampton, and now he's doing it all over again. Um, yeah, I, I would be happy with us to get Berahino. And again, like I said last time around, I think he's been really badly tucked up by Tony Pulis and his chums in the media. I can't believe he's that much of an idiot, basically. Well, I'd be okay with Berahino. I mean, I said it last time. I, don't, I, 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 you know, I think giving another chance to a kid is 
is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I mean, not, not we're not like a charity. He he is a he's a very good striker. I I think if all the criteria is that he needs to hit the ground running and will understand how the the Premiership works and can score goals, I mean I can't see that many others that tick as many boxes as he does. In Football Manager, Breland Bolo scored seven in his first five appearances for me. Just mm-hmm. just to point out. Yeah, but but it's just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I've gone through the, the third ball. No, you're right. There there are a number of examples of players who you could take a punt on and Mbolo is one of those ones who would be ideal to do that kind of thing. But I, I would feel more reassured with with someone who has actually played in the premiership before. Although Martial obviously is proving everyone wrong again. Um the point I was gonna make was there's been a lot of conversation about whether he is player X is worth X amount of money. I don't think I don't really care. Um, if it's a player that our manager wants, we're not going to do a Leeds. It's been demonstrated enough times that our chairman is cautious in investing. So if he decides that we are going to buy a player for X amount and we do, I've got no I've got no quibble with it whatsoever. Agreed. I don't I don't really care for transfer fees. Spend. It's not my problem. Yeah. Mm. That's Daniel Levy's job. Yeah. And he's really uh, he's famed for it apparently, so that, that's not our issue. Demari Demari Gray, the guy at Birmingham who seems to be tearing up trees. I get we've got a few players who are like him, but three and a half million quid and going to Leicester is an absolute steal. Yeah, um, it's, it'd be it's obviously it's very difficult to know whether or not we did attempt to get him or not. It's hard to believe at that price that we couldn't have matched it. It had to be if we did go for him, it had to be because he believed he would have more first team opportunities there. Or might not want to move away from home. It's not too far a drive from Birmingham mm. to Leicester. Well, on that note, I'll finish off with, because um, I know you guys like the, uh, the trivia questions. Who are our current longest-serving players? Any of you have a go at that. See if you get the four longest-serving players. Are we including their youth career? Um, I assume it's when they sign professional forms. Walker? Walker, yeah. I, I, I really wanted to hear Jake say that, because he's a huge fan of Walker's. He's been all right this season. <laughs> Sorry, from past seasons. Oh, yeah, he's been tepid at best. Yeah, 2010. Uh, wow. I mean, you'd have to start looking at some of the other players, sort of like Walker, like Rose. Rose also 2010, so they were the the sort of joint third. But there were two players who, who joined Spurs in 2008, signed professional terms in 2008. Or maybe maybe didn't, maybe it is amateur. Or, oh, sorry, semi-professional. I'm just not sure from this list. Well, I was sent by a... So, Harry Kane? No, 2011. So it's definitely going to be professional contract. Mm, I believe so. Because it has been to 2013. So I think that has to be a professional contract. What about Ryan Mason? Mason, 2008. Oh, good darts. Excellently done. And one more, two of them in 2008. Ryan Mason. um, The other player has had, has played for us and played for England. 86 appearances. Any idea? 10 goals, I think. Right winger. Well, Andrus Townsend? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. You forget about him, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's just not really in our squad. Every, everyone at the club's forgotten about him. Yeah, it's um, yeah, Townsend and Mason, 2008. Um, and you wouldn't call them necessarily... Maybe Mason. Townsend's certainly not a first uh, first-team squad regular... Mason, when he's fit, I don't know if everyone's fit. I'm not sure Mason does get into that 
into the, the match day squad. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I think he would. You would? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that maybe that, that answers the, the issue about why we didn't go in for Gray. We do have a number mm. of players who can all do that kind of, mind you, not wide. Mm-hmm. Not as quick. Mind you, we've got Townsend. <laughs> well, I'm hoping the next time that we uh, have a quiz cast, we're celebrating um, the doubling of our store of Moussa Dembele's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. To go with it. The Walkers and the Walker Peters. Exactly. It's part of that collection you were talking about. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for taking part. So thank you to AC. Cheers. To Jake. Merry New Year, everyone. And our special guest star, D- DC Spurs fan. Thank you. Bye. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.